uh, here at our hundred and third. Hundred and third, yes. Yes, Q and A. We just thank you for everyone who's online and for the questions we receive. Once again, we thank God for this week. It's been a, it's been a tough week, but we are ending on a wonderful note. Hallelujah. God has been good, and our churches truly, truly experienced miracles. Those who were in the ICU, those who were on the ventilators, they are off. And we just want to thank God for the miracles He has worked. He is just, He's just awesome. We just want to thank God. And we continue to pray and continue to believe He is your healer. Amen. God was or will be, He mm. is your healer. And this evening, before we go into the question and answer, let me pray. <coughs> Father, this evening, I just thank you, Lord, once again <coughs> for your goodness, Lord. All around the globe, Father, your children were crying out and you met them at their point of need. I just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Pray, Lord, even now you will touch, strengthen them, make each one of us whole. Mm. Oh, Father, that we can continue to serve you with everything that we have, O oh Lord. So, Lord, I commit this time into thy hands, anoint us, Lord. Give us knowledge, understanding, wisdom from above, so that our answers will be true to your word and to your spirit, Father. Let it edify the hearers. Let it bring an answer, a solution to those who are waiting, looking for, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, uh, we'll start with question number 19. Uh, this is connected with specific promises for every year. Okay. Uh, this is question number 19. It says, uh, some pastors believe that there is no specific promise for each year on New Year's Eve, but that all promises from Genesis to Revelation is yes and amen. Lately, uh, Hezekiah Francis reflected on the same, stating that prayers declaring the word of God all through year, all through the year stands, and it's the promise rather than a promise. However, Sister Benito Francis quoted few, including Revelation 4.2, to be at once lifted in spirit. What are your thoughts on the same about specific promise for each new year? I mean, uh, it depends upon the church. If you don't believe, you don't believe. Mm. If you don't believe, you don't receive. And when they are saying all the promises are yeah and amen, which is true. Which is true. But the question is, does anybody need all the promises? They are there. Do they know all the promises? Do they claim all the promises? Does the Spirit of God lead them to all the promises? It's not true. The thing is that uh, for us as a church and many churches, when they fast, they pray, God leads them to a specific promise. And around that, he builds, like for us as a church, yes. when, no, he gave us a promise for this year. I'm talking about when the church was started, he gave us a promise or a word on which to build it on, no, build it on. And that's how it works. And uh, um, everyone, including these pastors uh, who say there is nothing like that, but if you were to personally ask them, uh how come you are in ministry? They will say, I was called. And if you ask them, how were you called? And they will say, from the word. And if you ask them, which part of the word were you called from? Then they will go to a promise. 
So there was one promise. So every promise is yes and a. God did not call any servant of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Mm-hmm. He didn't call. Everyone was it's led God. by the Spirit of God to a specific promise and it made sense only to him. Mm. It did not make sense to others. Like others would look at it and say, what does it mean? It Like my promise may not mean anything to others. Pastor Vijay's mm-hmm. promise is different. But we look at and we know God is speaking to us in the same way for the church as a whole. He's given us a promise. And that promise, another ch- church may have received it five years ago. Another church may receive two years ago because though we are one large body, yet we are not functioning together. Mm-hmm. Our issues are not the same. So when we are looking at GTC, Hyderabad and worldwide, God gave us a promise. This is the year of restoration. And he knows what he's saying. He knows what it's saying. He's given us a promise. So every year, if you are flowing... See, these these things can also become just an institution yes. where it has no meaning at all. And so I can, I understand that. Uh, I understand that where uh, you have a watch night service and you take uh, your promise. It also can be just what you what you call it a tradition. A tradition, okay. But uh, traditions also can be real. Mm-hmm. Okay, traditions also, because something is a tradition that does not mean, like, uh, um, baptism has become a tradition in many churches. So therefore, do we throw baptism out? No. No, because there are baptisms which are just tradition, and then there is a baptism which is real. Okay, so it's like we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So this can become a tradition in many churches. But then it is not a tradition too. God gives you a promise. Okay, he gives you a promise. And uh, of course, uh, it all starts with Israel leaving Egypt. That was the first watch night service. Yes. It was the first watch night. That's how the entire concept comes from. And why did they leave? I mean, on what basis did they leave? They left based on a promise. Mm. I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. If you ask them, anybody over there, have you seen the land? No. No. Just three years later, they got the report. Mm. Have you seen the land? No. How are you going? Yes. Because we have a promise. We have a promise. And the promise, and they left at midnight. At the midnight hour is when God distinct. So it was a night they watched. A night they watched. That's a concept meaning because we are moving from one one year to the next year. And if you look at it, that's when the year begins. Yes. The year begins then. The year begins then. For them. It's the first for year. them. For that the is their first year, first year for them because the year also. Mm-hmm. So we are moving, moved from one year to another year. We fast, we pray, we seek the face of God. He gives us a promise. Yes. And we believe. And everyone who believes, first we believe in the promise. Okay? There are two things. One is called... Uh, Connected with something else, I wrote it down in the evening when I was studying. Let me tell you, it is this. Hmm? One is called knowledge. <coughs> knowledge answers the question, "What? What is your promise?" Understanding answers the question, "How?" <coughs> it's not enough that we have knowledge, okay? Okay, like if you sing that song, "What can wash away away my sins?" Nothing but the blood. That is a what? The question is how? how? If you confess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we need the what and the how. He has given us the what. What is your promise for 2022? It's a year of restoration. And then from then we are studying and learning how do we receive the restoration. 
So a lot of people, they don't listen to the word. They don't listen to, they get excited on a 31st night. They receive the promise about the what. And then 22 December, they will say nothing happened because they didn't listen to the how. Mm. Listen to the how. Okay, listen to the how. There's a what. That is knowledge. Knowledge is not going to make any difference. I also need understanding. Okay, I need understanding. Like, this is, this is, is what makes everybody around online here. And then there's a system over there. There is internet connection over there. That is just knowledge. But if Sammy doesn't know how to operate it, mm. Yes. We know in theory all these things everybody can hear, but that's just as the knowledge. But what's knowledge going to do if you do not know how to do it? No. So we have this knowledge of a promise which God has given us. When God says, I will restore to you the years, he began from the most difficult. And if you look into the church, our own church in Hyderabad, there's nobody there in the church. Let's leave the babies aside. There's nobody there who does not need and require restoration, not in one area, in so many areas of our life. That's why we should be excited when God gives us a, gives us a promise like that. Now he has given us the what. We should be very zealous to know the how. How How are you going to do it? So you don't miss anything. You don't miss anything because through the days and the weeks when God is teaching through his servants, he's showing us the how. And he will speak to different people because my restoration may not be the same as Pastor Vijay's and Pastor Vijay's may not be the same as yours. So we have to get the how. And when (laughs) we practice the how, the restoration starts mm. happening. Some restorations we know in the Bible is unilateral moves of God. Mm. Whether you like it or not, he will pour out the whole, his spirit on all flesh. Yes. It will happen. But we are not talking about that. We are talking about most of the restoration. There will be certain things which we are required to do. Mm. And that's where it happens. So people can take it whichever they want, you know, because there are skeptics of everything mm. in the Bible. But Jesus said, let it be unto you according to your faith. faith. According to your faith. Because if you go by that, every promise in the, in the Bible is yes and amen. Then there are no specific promises also. Okay. Then how do you pick up a specific promise? Let's take the year out. Let's take the year out. How does then these pastors who do not believe in specific promises for the year pick specific promises for situations? So you know what happened to these pastors? For them, the Bible is just a book of doctrines, just bones. There is no flesh. There is no muscles. There is no sinew. So even if God prophesies over them, all it is, it makes a rattling noise. They cannot stand on their feet actual spiritually to stand against the powers of darkness, a thief who comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, to withstand him. They cannot stand on his feet because they only have doctrine. And the doctrine is good. I'm not saying the doctrine is bad. But there's a fundamental flaw in the doctrine. If you listen to their doctrine about the Spirit of God, they are wrong. They are right on everything else, except when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But the problem is, you are just a painted boat in a painted sea mm. going nowhere because there is no wind in your sails. Because if you need movement in the spiritual realm, in your spiritual realm, you need the wind. 
without the wind. You can have a church, you can have a church, everybody is happy in your church, everybody is doing well in your church, but that's not the whole idea. The whole idea is what is the impact in the spiritual realm? On the earthly realm, there is no. You find me a church with 10,000 people and says, look at the church, I'll find you a temple with 100,000 people. And I'll find you a mosque with 20 lakh people. So don't look at this. The whole idea is what is your impact in the spiritual realm is the whole idea. Without the spirit of God, you do nothing. You can do nothing. So we look at it and we say that, you know, God gives people specific promises for the year, for their life, for their ministry, for churches. Though we are all founded on the word of God, all churches' mission statement is not the same. It's different. So how did you get your mission statement? It is based again on the word of God, your mission statement, and that's around which you focus. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, this is a question on healing. Mm -hmm. This is question number 24. (coughs) Yes. Uh, If prayer is the medicine for expelling spiritual sickness, why are we not cured of all sicknesses? Please give me some insight. No, prayer, you cannot look at as prayer has the medicine expelling spiritual sicknesses. It is only one, one of the things. Like it's a, it's like a wheel with many spokes. But of course, prayer is an important, but prayer alone won't work. Okay, if you go back to our, this scripture, Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, you no? Know? Acts 6 and verse 4, they, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. The primary purpose of prayer, please don't put your trust in your prayer and you're making a mistake. The primary purpose of prayer is that we hear from God. Mm. It's not prayer that changes. Okay, It's faith Amen. that changes. That's why in James chapter 5, he says the prayer that of faith but will heal the sick. It's not prayer. If prayer is changing everybody, then everybody around the world is praying. It's the power is not in the prayer. It, the power is that, is that prayer connecting you to God? Mm. Are you able to hear from God? Is God answering the prayer? It is God. It's not even, you, you don't even put your faith in your faith. Your faith is in God. So prayer is not the medicine expelling spiritual sickness. Prayer is only one of the conduits, all of the one you based Why are we not all cured of all sicknesses? Because it's in the prayer closet and in the meditation of the word of God. And uh, God speaks and shows us as our sicknesses. Okay. Now, if you look at this COVID thing, when a new variant comes in, they will suddenly come up with and say, uh, this is a new variant, they will give some funny name to it, and then we will say, these are the symptoms. But if you look at the symptoms, people actually it is the symptoms they put out that makes people panic. Runny nose. I mean, nobody bothered about runny nose mm-hmm. all these years until COVID came. Mm-hmm. Who was bothered about a runny nose? Right? And then headache. <laughs> okay. Fever. You look at all that, no? And it is basically like that, you know? If God doesn't show us, we wouldn't even know our spiritual sicknesses. You may think you are well when you are sick. Mm. Because this is spiritual. Because that's exactly what happened to the rich man who ended up in hell. He did not even realize, forget that he was sick, that he was dead. Mm. He did not even know. So it it is, you know. This is what we call until we reach the other side, which is called the bliss of ignorance. 
Okay. And death is an eye-opener. Okay. We are not cured of all sicknesses. It's simply because we do not even know our sicknesses unless we go to God and He reveals. And that's what uh, David's prayer is. Search my heart. Mm. No? If there are things hidden in me, okay, why are we so, why are people so confident? Because they they trust their heart. Mm -hmm. Honestly, let me tell you, people are so complacent about their spirituality is because they trust their heart. And they hear a thousand times your heart is deceitful, but they don't believe it. They don't believe it. You know? Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my anxieties. And this other one, no, search if there is any wicked way. Wicked way. Yeah, it's just next verse. As, actually, no. Psalm, Psalm 19, if I'm yeah. right. I think so. Yeah. See if there is any wicked, wicked way in me, in me, and lead me in, in the, the way, way everlasting. So inside you itself, which you are not aware if God doesn't show, no, there are wicked ways. And he has to lead us. So spiritual sickness is a reality. And prayer, like we saw from um, Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration, when he prayed, mm. the Bible says he was, he was transformed. So prayer closet should be a place where you are transformed. And remember, when God speaks to people, he speaks in different ways. Yes. He speaks in different ways. It's not one particular way he speaks. Primary, of course, now, because the word of God has been given, is primary is the word, because the written word. But still, it is not primary mm. in many places. Just let me ask you this question. If you are in Afghanistan, and they have, we have powerful believers in Afghanistan who do not have an access to the Bible, because you get it, you are dead. How does God speak to them? How does God speak to them? And he's speaking to them in dreams and visions. He's speaking to them in ways which only he can do. He understands each person's situation. Underground churches around the world where they cannot have access to what we have and so easy for us. God speaks to them. Okay, And if you look from in Hebrews chapter 1, God in various ways, he spoke. He spoke in visions, he spoke in dreams. And about little Samuel, the Bible says, um, God spoke to him through the word. Right? It's very clearly written over there. Uh, in the book of Samuel, First Samuel, chapter 3. Chapter 3, clearly written. So it is, you cannot put God in a box. But the word of God is given so that we can be very sure we are not being deceived. Um, chapter 3 and verse uh, 21. 3.21. 1 Samuel 3.21. 3.3. 3.21. Not 21. 3. Chapter 3 and verse 21. The Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the, the word, word of God. Okay, by the word of, he revealed himself through the word of the Lord. So he reveals in dreams, visions, word, and, but the word of God is given. But even there, I personally believe, okay, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Like if you are a believer <coughs> in a dias kind of situation, like let us say, if you know open doors, yes. uh, till last year, North Korea was number one persecuted, and then Christians are persecuted. But now North Korea has gone down to two. Afghanistan has taken number one after 20 years. Okay, after 20 years. So if you are a believer in North Korea, or let us say in, in 
Afghanistan. I believe North Korea more than Afghanistan because Afghanistan government still does not have control over the people like North Korea has. North Korea has perfected the art of controlling a population's minds, thoughts, actions. They are like zombies over there. Okay, But there is a powerful underground church over there. There is a church over there. If you are caught, you are dead. And you are dead in the most, most unbelievable. I have heard stories coming from North Korea like if you are caught, you are bulldozed on the roads. They, they bulldoze you on the roads if you're found. So it is, um, you, you, the stories that come, that come out of it, how do they, how do they manage even to survive? And are you trying to tell to me a church there who do not have the Bible, who cannot meet, who cannot sing, who cannot worship, who cannot hear a preaching, that God doesn't speak to them in different ways, mm. that they are so strong? cannot speak to them in different ways. So that's what I'm saying. Put your denominational doctrinal caps away. Don't try to put the Spirit of God into a box. You will be very surprised how he deals. So prayer is just only one of the ways, one of the ways. But God has to reveal to me my sickness first. He's not first revealing to me the cure. Mm. When I go to a doctor, He's no, first, he's looking at my sickness. He's looking at my sickness. You know, you know, every company or many companies, you have what is this called your annual checkup. Okay, annual checkup. Now, you're not going for your annual checkup because you are sick. Mm. You're going to your annual checkup to know whether you are well, mm. if there's anything wrong, or basically it's a mandatory thing. Mm. And the thing is that, when you do your annual checkups and you go to your GP, he looks at it and says, you know what? There's something wrong with you. Now, if you hadn't gone, you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have known. And one of the ways you discover, you discover, I'll show you how it happens. Let's go to scripture. Go to the book of Acts and go to chapter 10. Chapter 10. Verse 9 onwards. 9. The next day as they went on the journey, drew near the city, Peter went up on the Haru's housetop to pray. Okay? That was the sixth hour. So, six o'clock in the morning. Right? Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And so heaven opened an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and led down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild bees, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Mm -hmm. Verse 15. And a voice spoke to him again a second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven again. So what's happening? If Peter hadn't gone to pray, and if he hadn't seen his vision, his doctrine would have never changed. That's his doctrine. And he's being corrected by God. You know what he's saying? You look at what God is saying in verse 15. 15, yeah, verse 15. What God has cleansed, you must, must not 
not will not, shall not, may not, you must not call common. God has to speak to him mm. in a completely different way. And it's when he's going to pray. And it's basically actually exposing his heart. Mm. You got a bias against Gentiles, which I don't have. Mm. God is saying, I don't have a bias against the Gentiles. You Jews have a bias against Gentiles because you forgot your primary purpose. You were supposed to be a light to them. Instead, you wanted to be a light and them forever dwell in darkness. Mm -hmm. That was not the intention. The intention was that you would be a light, they would be drawn into the light, and through you, salvation would go to them at all. So he's being completely corrected over there. Mm. Corrected over there. So the fact is that if God, if he hadn't gone to pray, and God hadn't spoken to him, he would not have known he had a spiritual sickness. Hmm. He had a spiritual sickness. And he's fighting it. And he's still struggling with it, you hmm. know. In the book of Galatians, he's still struggling with it. And these are apostles. So we need to realize we all have biases, prejudices, ingrained habits, ideas, which we have accepted as the norm. Hmm. As the norm. And then the society is bringing in new, new ideas and the pressure is on. We keep compromising. And God says, you know what? Spiritually you are sick. Mm. Spiritually you are sick. So prayer closet is the place where transformation has to take place. And again about transformation, something else I wrote today. Yes. You know? The entire purpose of the prayer, the, the fundamental purpose of the prayer closet and the study of the word of God, personal, we are not talking about intercession, personal, is change, mm. is transformation. The Bible says this, as many as those who appear before the Lord at Zion shall change from strength to strength. Zion is your prayer closet, that's your church, your prayer closet where you encounter God. And Paul says, we all with Unveiled faces. Meaning, if you don't encounter God in your prayer closet, then there's an issue. Issue. But if you're encountering God in your prayer closet, it is with unveiled faces. And what happens? We are being changed. And what is basically change? How do you measure? Now we have known about the what. But how do you factor that you have changed? It is that you have victory over Something today, which you did not have victory over yesterday. Mm. So you, you have changed. Yes. Second, you know your words have power in the spiritual realm today. Your words today, some words today, which did not have power yesterday. Yes. Yesterday. That's how you know change is happening. Change is happening. So that does not mean we stop saying, we keep saying, one day we will realize my words have power. You know why? It's not that my, the words never had power. I had no power. But now my words have power. It's because I have changed. And what does it all? It's a prayer closet that does it all. Yes. It's a prayer closet and the word of God. Okay, so prayer closet is a place where transformation takes place. And I'm telling you, these are mistakes I made, we all make. For us, prayer closet has become a place of, one, getting things from God, two, interceding for others. We don't see the prayer closet primarily has the place of transformation. And even if one and two happens, we miss this one, we will regret in eternity. Because that was supposed to be one.
because Jesus transformation took place everything all these things took place for him in prayer closet but the bible says he was transformed while he was praying yes. his face changed yes pastor vijay yeah that was a good good you're doing a good job today they go from strengths people will want to you know the scripture okay you can have the scripture over there psalm 84:7 they go from strength to strength each, each one, one appears, before appears before the god in zion, in zion. okay the other one is second corinthians 3:15 16 yes. 17 where the, yeah, where the lord is the spirit. His, his spirit okay it's those unveiled faces Yes pastor. Pastor again on prayer. Mm. It's this is question number 21. <clears throat> okay. The sovereign cure for worry is prayer. Mm. You would agree, right? Prayer is simply having a visit with God in his throne room. Mm. To literally feel God's presence and spirit when sincere prayer is made to him is the most incredible ecstatic experience for in his presence is fullness of peace, joy and love. Today you mentioned after we have this wonderful prayer time, why do we not carry the aroma with us? Where do we falter? see um we are we are, well, the whole issue is that when the if you go back to philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 philippians chapter 4 6 and 7 be anxious for nothing remember that's a state of mind of your soul be anxious for nothing okay and but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through christ jesus there is something over here okay now we are talking about peace and outward reality mm. peace is your inward reality not your outward reality outward reality of peace is going to happen absolute peace is going to happen only when the kingdom of god manifests itself on earth mm. understand that yes. then there will be absolute peace when jesus steps down and takes over there will be absolute peace but the question is do you believe that yeah. that is coming back do you believe he's going to take over right okay like uh, when you start a bank account they will ask you to put a deposit i'm not talking about salary zero balance they will give you a zero balance salary account because they know your salary will come <laughs> they won't give you zero balance otherwise account okay so if you want to start a account you put in a minimum deposit and that minimum deposit is your assurance to them more money is coming nobody will go start a bank account put minimum and then go home and never forget about it it's a waste of money right so my question to you is one day the kingdom of god is coming it is going to take over and it's going to be a day of peace 1000 year of years of peace my question to you is it will be one day an outward reality what is your proof mm what is your evidence it is coming it's your peace inside it is your peace inside you know this is which we need to understand if we are looking for that 
we have that inward peace in our prayer closet and we come out and immediately we expect outwardly everything will fall into place. You have mistaken it. Mm. Outward, it is a battle. It is a battle. You go to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. Where God gave them rest. Chapter 21. And verse 44, 43, 44, and 45. Beautiful verses. Mark that in your Bible. Okay. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them what? Rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Mm. Let me ask you this question. And verse 45, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Where do you see this? In Joshua chapter 21. In chapter 1, he says, I give you the land. Chapter 21, they have the land. In between is war. War, exactly. Mm. In between is war. So one day after years probably of war and battle and subduing seven nations that were there before them and God fighting with them for them and supernaturally intervening, finally at the end of it, they have rest. Mm. Okay? They have rest. In the same way, God gives us a promise and as a, of the kingdom of God. And as a token, the kingdom has come. We are born again. The spirit of God comes in. The kingdom of God is with you. That is the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And God says to show you that you belong to the kingdom. I will shake everything around. You look inside and see if you are shaken or not. Shaken or not. No, and that's, God tells us like this week was like a crazy week. It was an unbelievably crazy week. But the whole idea is that when it goes crazy, are you going to be shaken or not? Are you going to be shaken or not? Are you going to think? Because this is the reality of the kingdom. Because if you are shaken, your faith will falter. If your faith will falter, even if God is close by, one, you won't experience him, two, you won't allow him to intervene. Because everything comes through faith. Everything comes through faith. So in your prayer closet, you experience. That's a different thing. That's a manifest presence of God. Okay, But when you go out, when you go out, your peace, which is, which is inside, that's why you have to read Philippians chapter 4. How is this man exuding faith? Now let me ask you this question. When he is saying the peace of God guarding his mind and guarding his heart, is he free? No. No? He's, he's in chains. chains. He's in prison. He's in prison. Okay, and if you go to our favorite words, uh, in uh, he, he's writing this to the church in Philippi. Philippi, but this is what he had experienced in Philippi, verse twenty-five, right? Verse twenty-five of chapter sixteen of the book Acts, of Acts. Acts, Acts, 16, Acts. Okay. 25-26. But at the midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Okay? Now, if you read words 23 and 24, then you will understand this man has peace. 
then only you will understand when they had laid many stripes mm. on them and they threw them into the prison and commanding the jailer to be, keep them securely having received such a charge he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks Externally. this is the background <laughs> external <laughs> and then the inter at the midnight hour paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and you know what all the other prisoners were listening because this is the peace being exuded outside mm. now we go to back to philippians chapter 4 and not verse 6 and 7 but go to verse 4 and 5 rejoice in the lord always did you see this is the key mm. what are they doing they are singing they are singing you see it is if you read acts chapter 16 and you read book of philippians you will say this happened to them there and now they are writing to this church mm. but all the church was birthed okay, okay. Mm. they are writing it you look at the parallel rejoice in the lord mm. always okay how do you have peace how do you have peace because you are singing when people rejoice they sing rejoice in the lord and again i will say rejoice and second let your gentleness be known to all men don't be harsh because the whole idea of the enemy is to create all this situation outside for us to lose our peace and we become angry and we start barking and biting at people let your gentleness be known to all the lord is at hand his god is not far away he's near he will help you through he will bring you through he will bring you through and that he says you know what you need to do about be anxious for nothing by with prayer and supplication so the bible says in acts 16:25 they were praying and they were singing and let your request be made unto known and what is happening the peace of god is guarding and what happens outwardly is there is a shaking the foundations are shaken the chains come off all doors are opened and suddenly god intervenes you know so these are all fundamental lessons given to us how we handle yes it is some battles will go on for years together i always think about uh, i mean let me ask you this question if the book of genesis ended with 36 chapters the book of genesis ended with 36 chapters Do you know what would have happened to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of God's people who were incarcerated in prison and were there for years including Richard Womber and the Watchman Nee and all of them thousands and millions of them have lived been in prison some got free some died if the bible genesis had only 36 chapters and the life of joseph was taken away what hope would man have so true what hope would a man have mm. joseph was there for 13 years for our sake for our sake literally for <laughs> our that's what the bible mm. says for our sake and he came through mm. he came through okay in his case it was a physical release in many cases there was no physical release but there is going to be a one day a spiritual there was a spiritual release and one day there's going to be an actual physical manifestation of those who stayed refused to recant died in prison and they will be overcomers mm. they will reign mm. so joseph's story was put in for all eternity yes. for all of time don't quit mm. god is with you mm. god is with you god is with you in the prison because that's what the bible says and paul and all these people like paul and all would have taken great strength mm-hmm. 
strength okay if you turn with me to genesis chapter 29 and verse 21 39 39 21 genesis 39 21 what does the word say the lord was with joseph where is joseph in the prison where is god in the prison Where is Joseph? In the prison. Where is God? In the prison. With Joseph. Where is Shadrach Meshach Abednego? In the fire. Where is God? In the fire. In the fire. And that's what God is talking about. That is where we have to be. We have to understand. That is the peace we carry with us. Yes, we will fight this battle. We will not quit. We will overcome ultimately. But when? It's in God's hands. Even Joseph, no? Even Joseph, <laughs> okay? Mm. Okay, look at this. In chapter 40, hmm? Joseph says, 14, chapter 40 and verse 14. 14 and 15. For remember me when it is well with you. Please show kindness to me. Make mention me to the Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Everybody wants liberty. Okay. Who doesn't want to get out of prison? You want to get out of And when the chief baker saw the, okay, 15. Indeed I was stolen. Okay. Now if you go towards 25. 23, 23. And then 41, 1. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Mm. We'll say how ungrateful. No. Sometimes God will deliberately make people forget people whom you have helped, whom you have helped. He will make them deliberately forget you because there is a time set by God. And at verse 41 says, then it came to pass at the end of two full years. So we need to realize there is God's way, there is God's will, and we fight God's time. Mm. That's why this year is important, I said. This is the year of restoration. Next year may be something else. So this is the year of restoration. And this year, believe and fight. Fight, ask God, Lord, Sometimes you may, I don't have anything to be restored. God says, if you really know what all you need to be restored. <laughs> when you were sleeping, the devil enemy came, came, enemy came and took your whole house away. You're still asleep. You have no idea what all you have lost. What all you have lost, you have no clue at all. What all I had for you, what all has been lost, you have no clue at all. You come, I will let you know and I will restore it back. So that's the difference, you know. So we fight this battle. How it will happen, when it will happen, he will show us, you know. And it can be, it can be like if you go to that, I love that, uh, love that verse in chapter 41, you know. And uh, 14, 41, 14. Immediately. 14. And the Pharaoh mm-hmm. sent and called Joseph and, and they brought him out quickly, quickly out of the dungeon. Okay. Quickly. In Thirteen years is over yeah. in one day. <laughs> it is over. Now they are rushing to bathe him and shave him and <laughs> give him new clothes and make him presentable to the king. I mean, one day it's over. It's just over. Okay, but he hung in there. 
hung in there. Even his last chance also God denied it. It's not your time. I am there with you. Your release will come at my time. So we hang in there and God will help us through it all. So we carry that peace. Our peace, we carry this peace with us as we learn from Philippians 4 is one, our joy. Go back. So that how do we carry that peace we experience in the prayer Prayer closet closet. out? One, through our joy. Two, through our gentleness. See that. Okay. Our joy. Two, our gentleness. Verse six, third. We are in control. We are not anxious. Mm. We are not anxious. Okay, mm. we are not anxious. So the three things over there that the Bible talks about. One, our joy. Second, our, our gentleness. Third, we have no anxiety. No, it is basically saying, whatever you do with me, mm. it is, it is, it's, it's, it's like the mm. person of that song. It's well with my soul. Mm. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. That is how you handle anxiety. Like uh, always tell people, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? <laughs> what's this? Okay. Let us put death aside. What is the worst case scenario? Prison. We just heard God was with him in prison. Mm. Right? We have a promise which says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you till the very end. So we have to look at the worst case scenario. That's how anxiety goes. I'm not hoping to go to prison, but if I end up in prison, Mm. you will be there with me. So I am not going to be anxious about My anxiety is this. Mm. I should not be alone. I should not be alone. But I have a promise. The promise is that I will never be alone. Now go to verse 4. Okay, in Philippians. What is that? The Lord is at hand. You know mm. what he's saying? He says, he's near me. Mm. Go to Second uh, Timothy. Okay? This is how we carry it with Second Timothy chapter 4. Hmm? Verse 16 and 17. First defense. Mm. Okay? At my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Why is he able to say that? Usually people get bitter. I ministered, I slogged for 50 years, I built uh, so much and then I am in trouble, nobody came to help me. But look at the reason. But the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's the key. So he has this experience and that is a real experience. God says, I will be with you. And we have to believe, first we have to believe, okay, what is the promise? I will be with you. Then we have to ask, how do I experience that promise? That is understanding. One is knowledge. Knowledge is useless without understanding. Mm. Knowledge is useless without understanding. Let me tell you, I can sit here and teach Peter how to drive a four-wheeler. But ask me whether I can drive. I will say, no, I can't. <laughs> I will even tell you how to shift the gears. I know it by heart. How you Ask me to get and do it. And I will not do it. So I have knowledge, but I don't have the understanding. Okay. Okay. So knowledge is one thing, but understanding, the knowledge is the what? Understanding is the how. What is the knowledge? God has promised, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, I will be with you always. Now Lord, how do I experience it? How do I experience it? 
in the relevance of the questions, one of the ways you experience it is in your prayer closet. And how do you do it? You have to be consistent in that. Yes. Consistency is important in any relationship with God or with man. Consistency is important. Okay? And you will realize his presence is with you. And the more you experience that presence, you know what happens? Strength comes. Strength comes. Because we are not, talk- not talking about an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. Ordinary person. Okay? It is, it is a, it's, it's the, it's the power of God. Person. Okay? I still remember just many, many, many years ago. Uh, it was in Assam, 20, 30 years ago. More, less than that. 25, Okay, there was this huge program, and uh, uh, the cops were all over controlling the crowds and all that. Okay, CM or somebody was passing by. One little child wanted water. The water was on the other side. Okay, so the officers were standing. No, the the cops, um, the police officers were standing. So the child started uh, started to go, and one of the officers. Stop the child and said, don't cross. So the mother called the child aside and said, go ask that other officer. Because she looked at the rank. <laughs> okay. So the child went to the other officer and said, I want to drink. So you know what the officer did? Took the child by arm, got him a drink and brought him back. Wow. You need to understand power. The rank gives you confidence. Gives you confidence. Okay. Gives you confidence. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. One, this is God. Two, he's your father. He's your father. Okay? And that should, okay, that's why teach us to pray and the first statement Jesus makes blows their minds away. No Hebrew has ever prayed like that. Our father who art in heaven. Our father who art in heaven blows their mind off. God, our father, I can pray like this. They won't even mention, even now they won't mention, they won't even write his name. They put a gap over there. And here God says, no, you can call him Abba Father. Okay? And that changes the whole thing. From there comes your confidence. Come there comes your stability. Mm. From there, when, when Jesus says, like in the other, other portion, why, why should not be anxious? Be anxious for nothing with prayer and supplication by the book of Hebrews. Why does it say? Because he, Cares for you. Mm-hmm. He cares for you. You have to have this, the word of God, you know. We saw that, right? You just, a little earlier you said, no, cast all your burdens onto right. Jesus for he cares for you. That is, uh, first okay. Peter chapter 5, 6 and yeah. 7. And also I'll give you different verses because the thing is that, you know what? We need the word of God because the word of God are promises and the promises, um, uh, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Okay, then go to um, Romans chapter 8, okay, and verse 31 hmm, to 34. On, I mean, from 31 onwards, actually, 8, 31 onwards. 8, eight, but eight son, not 1, 8. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? <coughs> he who did not spare his own son, delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Mm. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
Who is he condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Why are these verses, why are these promises important? Now go to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. 3 and 4 if you want. Second Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory. And like, like how, how does it happen? Now this is the how. We have heard the what. Verse 3 is what. What has he done? He has given. How does it happen? By which have been given to us exceedingly great precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. One corruption in the world is anxiety. Anxiety kills. Anxiety kills. And how is Paul chained, lying in a filthy prison Roman prison, able to be so full of joy, so full of peace, and able to encourage all the churches. How is he able to do? Because he's standing on the promises. Standing on the promises. Basically, these everything he's standing on are personal promises, which God spoke to him, which became letters to the church, which becomes universal promises to the church. So one man had to go through that to receive these promises for himself so that his life would become Life for everyone to imitate. Mm. If he hadn't gone into prison, we wouldn't have had these letters. And if these letters hadn't been written, we would have, would not have these promises. So these are the promises. And you know why the children of God are miserable and upset and anxious and worried? Because they do not know the how. Mm. They do not know the how. It is through these exceedingly precious promises we partake of the divine nature of God. Now, how does it happen? Now, let us, how does it happen? Romans uh, 10, the word that can save you is very near you, very close. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You know what? One, the Spirit of God takes you to the promises. Second, you believe those promises. Third, you keep on confessing those promises. If he is for me, who can be against me? You know why you are anxious? Because you confessed your anxiety. Mm. You believed in your anxiety and confessed your anxiety and you are overcome by anxiety. Mm. If you believe in the promises of God and confess the promises of God, even though outwardly your situation does not change, inwardly you are guarded. Mm. Because that becomes your reality and that is the kingdom of God. That is your reality. This is the way, this is the how. It's not enough to know the what, we need to know the how and we consciously have to do that. Consciously have to do that. And we, you will not give in to the reports will keep on coming. People are in the ventilator, um, lungs have collapsed. The people who got up today, how many reports I got in this week, lungs have collapsed, lungs have collapsed. Now they are sitting up in the ICU, no ventilator, everything. They are, they will be out of the ICU tomorrow. Watch and see. You know, are you going to give in to this report or are you going to lift the word of God above your situations? Are we denigrating the doctors? No, no. they are going by what the machines are telling them. Mm. They are going by what? And we thank God for the doctors, we thank God for the medicines, we thank for, for the hospitals, everything. But when a crisis like that comes, the question is, have you heard in your heart, the person is gone? The question is, God didn't tell you that. Mm. When I pray, I don't hear that at all. Mm. And he says, no. 
So I refuse to accept it. I see the report, thank you for the report, but I hear another report in my heart and I speak what I hear in my heart. I receive this. I receive this and then I take this and live this above it. Because now what do I say? This is the report. But the person shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And you know what? I'm telling you, stuff when these things happen, what happened? He took you straight to the gospel according to John. Okay? Now you may say, oh, what context? Forget context. Listen to the Spirit of God. If you're going to be a Baptist, you will die in your ICU. Okay? John chapter 20. Okay? And verse 22. Okay. <laughs> and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Hebrew word for Holy Spirit? Breath. It is breath. What are they on? They are on a ventilator because the lungs cannot. And the word of God, the Spirit of God tells me this verse and he says, breathe upon them. Breathe upon them. Tell, pray. Let my spirit breathe upon them. Okay. And they, they start breathing. And a little later, you have the ventilator being taken off. That is what I am saying. There is truth in context. But if you are already being, only going by context, your context will be that you died in the ICU. Because you put the Spirit of God and the Word of God in a box. In a Word of God box. Okay? So you have to listen to the Spirit of God because there are promises. There are promises. It has absolute meaning in its context. In its context. But... When you are in a crisis, God will give you scripture which will not make any meaning according to the context. It will make meaning only to you. Mm. And you will know God is speaking to me. That's when the logos becomes rhema. rhema. Yep. It becomes rhema. And you have to live by it. Either, either you will live by it or you will die by it. Pastor, huh? it's very interesting that in Hebrews, Romans chapter 10 verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing mm. and hearing by the word of God. And the word for word is rima. Rima. It's not, it is, not yeah, logos. It's not logos. So that you, is where that faith is living comes word with, But we need the written word. We need mm. the written word because the enemy can also duplicate the stuff. Mm. So that is where we need the written word of God. Because God speaks to people. Mm. He speaks to people. And also, it also says that uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by rema. Rema, rema that, that is the rema. That is the living Oof, word. That's Every word, word that proceeds from rema. the mouth of God. And sometimes we don't need rema all the time. Mm. Even we as humans, husband and wife, don't talk to each other all the time. But you know, you are around. You no, know, I know my wife is there. She knows I am here. She doesn't have to see me in the camera to know I am here. She knows I am here, and I know she is there. We know they are there. When we go over there, we talk. We talk for a little while and then we, we do our own stuff. Don't expect God to keep on talking to you all the time. Rima, Rima, Rima. No, God says, I've given you my logos. <laughs> logos. You have a relationship with me. Mm. You are good. I'm good. I'm good with you. And when does he speak? Either when he needs to speak to you, yes. either you are out of way, out of the road, like your GPS, you're out of the road. He says, reroute, reroute, reroute. Or you need to take a turn. This is a turn. Okay. Most of the time, God does not have to speak to you like that. Yet, in your morning time with God, you experience His presence. That is your fellowship with God. That is your fellowship with God. And uh, that is wonderful. But the peace of God is something that you carry with you. Peace, Because peace is always connected. Whether it is between you and God, you and your spouse, you and your brother, or at two nations, Peace is how relationship is defined. Hmm. India and Pakistan does not need to have joy. They need to have peace. 
India and China does not need to have joy, joy. We need to just have peace. Leave us alone. We leave you alone anyway. Leave us alone. We don't want too much joy from you. Okay, so that's the thing. Peace. Relationships are defined with peace. But with God, with your wife, with your children, you don't want just one peace. Mm-hmm. With some children, you just want peace. Even if you don't give. <laughs> if you don't even give me much joy. <laughs> just give me some peace. <laughs> okay, some. Okay. So we need to realize, you know, when you have a relationship, even if it's a, like a married relationship, it's always conflict. Sundays, certain days, when there is no conflict, you have peace. You are very comforted. You have peace. At least you, you're not worried about joy. At least there is two days of peace. Okay, two days. But with God, that is not the way. With God, He promises us peace yeah. and joy. The only condition for peace and joy is righteousness. That's why He said, He did, he, he did not say, pursue peace with God. Mm-hmm. He said, pursue peace oh. with men. Yeah. You, I pursue righteousness. Peace will automatically yes, come. Yes. Peace will automatically come. You see, all I have to pursue is righteousness. Peace and joy automatically will come. I don't have to pursue joy. I don't have to pursue peace with God. I have to pursue righteousness. When I pursue righteousness, automatically what happens is peace comes and joy comes. When peace goes and when joy goes with God, you need to realize the issues with righteousness. The issues with righteousness. Somewhere, somewhere, we have erred with the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first mm. the kingdom of God and, and his, righteousness, his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And righteousness, peace and joy is the kingdom of God. And righteousness is our quest. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay, let's go to the next question. Pastor, Pastor there's a lot of anxiety in the financial aspects. Okay. So we should get to financial questions. This yes. Is question number 22. Two-part question. My friends and I had few questions on financial debt. Long back, I heard a man of God saying that when we are in debt, we should not give offerings to the church. Is it correct? And I also want to know if it is okay to give special offerings to people who are in need. Or our primary motive should be to pay off our credit card bills and other debts. How about sending money to our parents? Basically, we want to know, should we cut off most of the giving and spending part till we clear our debts? I hope I'm clear. Thank you so much, Pastor. Really okay, appreciate okay. your time. Yeah, let's go back to the question again because debt is a huge, huge thing for everybody. Financial debt. Okay. Now, when we use this debt, remember, debt means many things. It's not one thing. Okay. You need to look at your debt and to see first. Is your debt a debt you can pay off? You are not like the story in the parable where he could not pay off his debt. Mm. Okay? Like, let us say, yeah, Roshan works for, let us say he works for the government. So he takes a loan. A loan is a debt. But he knows he can pay it off because you take a loan from the bank. The bank will give you 24 months, 36 months. They look, they won't just give it to you. They look at your financial, this thing and then give it to you. So you know you can pay it off. So you need to understand when we are looking at debt, first you also have to look at your financial status. <laughs> because if you have the financial status to pay off your debt, then it is not really an issue. It is mm. not an issue. It is not an issue. 
Because that debt is not an issue. Because um, even Ambani borrows. Yeah. That's how markets work. Yeah. That's how markets work. I mean, the entire world system is be- 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 built on debt financing. Correct. America borrows. China borrows. You think China doesn't borrow. China borrows. India borrows. Every country borrows. There's only one country which has, I think, Sweden or something as... Uh, yeah, no, Sweden has their economy in a different way. I don't, I'm not very sure I read it some time back. Okay, so we need to realize that debt is a part of life. But you have to look at what kind of a debt. Mm. What kind of a debt? Two, are you able to pay it off? Are you sure I can pay it off? Do you have, see, everything, see, there is, God has order, okay? God has order. Okay, imagine you go to, let us say, SBI or HDFC and apply for a loan and you'd say please give me a loan for 5 lakhs and I will pay whenever I feel like it they will not give it to you right when they agree they will also have a plan they will ask 26 or 30 the guys usually will be good and they will tell you sir this is the best thing because ultimately the interest you pay it is 24 or 36 is this much so I I will say go for this go for this Okay, go for this. So basically, you are taking a loan knowing that you will be able to pay it off. In some cases, when people take a housing loan, which again is a debt, it is good for them Mm. because it helps in your income tax filing. All these things are there. Okay, so when you are talking about your debt, first understand, are you in a position to pay it off? Two, do you have a payment plan? Mm payment plan. Most people do not have a payment. In India, I'm talking about. US, they will put you on a payment plan. Mm. But here, do you have a payment plan and you realize I'm keeping my target. I have kept my target. In Within this time, I will pay it off. I will pay it off. Third thing you have to look at is ease. You have to know. You have to look at is You always ask the cause. Why am I in debt? Mm. Some debts are good. Yes. Some debts are bad. Mm-hmm. Is my debt a good debt or a bad debt? Mm-hmm. Why am I in debt? That's a fundamental question. Because the problem is, if you don't ask the question, why? You'll get into debt again. Bad debts again. Why am I debt? Okay. See, I will tell you. I will tell you the reason it is. I'm talking in terms of bad debts. I'm not talking in terms of good debts. Okay. What does the Bible say? The borrower is the slave, to slave the, of to the lender. lender. All I have to do or the enemy has to do to make you a slave is to make you borrow. Mm. That's it. Borrow. That's what I'm talking about. Bad debts. When you have a bad debt, you don't realize you're a slave. Mm. You are a slave. In good debts, you're not a slave because you, you are, you have still have the freedom, the liberty, and you're paying it off. You are paying it off. You know I can pay it yes. off. You know you have the, if you don't, you know you have the assets, the push comes to a shove. You know I have the assets. I can dispose of all my debts in one day. So, so it is more of a, what you call, a financial decision mm. you took, a business kind of a financial decision you took. So you always have to ask yourself the third question. Why am I in debt? Why am I in debt? Okay, why am I? I want to know, yeah, why am I in debt? If it's a bad debt, meaning you're spending 
on non-necessities. Spending. One of the fundamental things which people, when they get into bad debts, is that you will see they spent on non-essentials. I don't think, yes. Non-essentials. Okay? You have to, you have, people have to learn first to look at their income, know to know their income, and learn how to live within their income without stealing from God. Wow. Exactly. Very important thing. Don't steal from God. Mm. You'll be always in debt. <laughs> You'll never come out of debt. There is this giving to God. You cannot steal from Him. Steal from Him. Okay, giving to God. So we have to be very, very careful about it, about debt. The thing is that, um, if you are in a bad debt, and the whole question is, what do bad debt people do is that they take another loan to pay off this loan. Then the simple question is, practically all your money you have is loans because you have no income now. And then what are you tithing? You have nothing to tithe. What money you have itself is a loan. Okay. So that is where pastors will say, if you have a bad debt, don't bring that money and put it over there. It is not good. Basically, that's what they say. If your debt is really, really bad, then go clear it out. Yes. Go to your father, speak to him. But let me, let me tell you, your father won't clear it for you unless you have fiscal discipline. He will teach you fiscal discipline first. Otherwise, you will be in debt. Because yeah. God is a very good steward of resources. resources Though yeah. he has abundance mm-hmm. and he has no shortage, he's a very good steward. That's why he said, pick up the fra- fragments. The leftovers, 12 basketfuls, second time 7 baskets full. You know what? He's a very good steward of his resources. And even the guy who hid that talent, he asked him to come and give accounts. Okay, It's good to keep accounts. And normal people, who, who which many of you who do not have much pressure other than your family, you need to have a you need to have a payment plan. You need to sit down and have your everything written. Many cases, what I'm telling you honestly from years of experience with people, with people uh, over here, Hyderabad, everywhere where I've been, is that there's no communication between the man and the woman about finances. That's one of the fundamental issues. And uh, men are not very open about their finances, about about the the of the debt to the wife. And you need to be very, very open because if both of you are in the boat together, then you need to be open about it. And uh, each of you should know by now who is better at handling finances. Sometimes a man is better. Sometimes a woman is better. Okay? And you have to be wise like Elkanah. He looks at Hannah and he says, you know what? You are a better influence on the child than I am. So he leaves the child with her. And sometimes parents need to. See, these are all fundamental principles in, in everything that's connected with the home. Okay? I'm telling you, it's connected with finances. It is connected with house rearing. Like, let me tell you, I have five children. And they're all, nobody's a teenager anymore. But you know what I do? I see my wife is better in handling them at their age than I. So I leave them alone. Hmm. Talk to your mom. Talk to your mom. Because she handles you better. 
No, I am the father. Everybody should come to me. No. I look at him and says, you know what? I am the father. I am always there. I chat with you, talk to you, this thing. But you know what? She is better at handling them at this age than I am. And they feel more comfortable talking to her because they see me as this man with the spectacles behind the pulpit. No, So they find it very difficult to talk to me because they are scared. I will say, thus it is written. No, no. So go to her. Go to her. So we need to, you know. I'm honestly telling you, even in our own homes in Hyderabad, many of you parents have little children. If as parents you took a decision and said, you know what, my wife is better in handling children than I am, and she's spiritual, put the spiritual, I'm talking about the spiritual part of it, you know what, I will take a back seat. I'll be there, but I will not interfere. I'm telling your children will work out better than what they are now. You know why there is trouble with the children? Because there's conflict in the home in discipline between the father and mother. Mm. There's no unity. There is a dis- there is no unity. Mm. There's no unity. The best home is where the father and the mother are in one page. Both are spiritual. The second best is where it is one parent who is handling it, and not there is no division among parents. Because then the child is not divided. The mind is not divided. Daddy is saying this thing. Mother is saying thing. For this mistake, daddy disciplines like this. Mother hits with the ladle. The child is confused. You know? Either it is both or it is one. Mm. In the same way, understand finances. You need to find out who is good. Who is good. You are in this boat until death do part you. You are in this boat together. Discuss finances. Find out who is better. Sometimes women are very, very good very, very good. And they will tell you, you need to face saver. We are, we are going to put it away. Because remember, a woman's mind always works in terms of security for a home. Mm. She's always thinking about the children. You know, Men are more risk takers. That's why you see all around the world, most businesses are run by men. Because they take risk. And God made us that way. Men go out to work, so it's a risk. Even the farmer is taking a risk. The woman is at home and she wants it secure. He may bring in, let us say, um, a thousand bags of rice they harvest this and he's thinking about keeping it and selling it and she's thinking about securing her children's future. Mm. So you need to understand they don't work the same, same way. Yes. So you need to be on the same page. And uh, But... The same, the, even about, uh, this about, you know, uh, uh, so you, yeah, um, come down, come down, yeah, yeah, okay, so we, we have to balance it all, all over there about finances, and you have to be very, and again, also I want to know if it is okay to give special offering to people who are in need, okay, again, when, when about giving offering to people in need, be led by God. Yes. Be led by God. Okay, where there is a need, we put it. But the simple question is: uh, one, be led by God. Two, do it the way it is written in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the, the thing is that uh, do it through the medium of the church. Yes, because the problem is, you know, what happens is. The church leadership knows the people better than you do. Mm. You have an emotional reaction. We have a spiritual reaction. We know what they are going through. We know what is the issue. We know why they are going through. And we are looking for a permanent solution. Mm. Permanent solution. Mm. 
So you see in the book of Acts, it was done through the church. Done through the church. Okay, yeah, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is okay. And then, okay, come, and we'll come back to the question. Okay, and then, uh, in need, let it go through the church, but ask God, ask God. Okay, because sometimes it may be just your feelings or your emotions. It may be feelings or emotions. Sometimes, some people become dependent. Some people become dependent. Some people become offended. Mm. Some people become offended. Some people become defended. Some people, they say that, why did you even think about me that I was in need? Why did you think about it? They become offended. How did you get that impression about me? Okay, so we have to be very, very, very careful about this. Some people become dependent, some people become offended. That's why you have to see in US what is happening, because there are millions of job openings. Why are not people working? Because the freebie is coming, so nobody wants to work. Okay, so the same thing. And another thing is that our primary motive should be to pay off our credit card bills and other debts. Yeah, credit card bills you have. Don't stick to the EMI. You will be always an EMI. Okay, you have to pay. Even with your credit card bills, Okay, credit card has its uses. Yes. A lot of things it has its uses. It's fast. It is so. You have to be wise. You have to be wise how to use 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 the credit card. Okay. And... uh, uh, how about sending money to our parents? Okay, now remember, we have this question of uh, obeying your parents, children. That is, little children obey their parents, but there is a standard law which is said, honor your father and mother. And if you look at Jesus' advice and what the Pharisees were doing, and he had indictment about them, one of the ways you honor your parents when they are old it's not by listening to them and doing what they tell you because that's not permissible in many cases because you are a house of your own. But taking care of them in their old age, mm. of in their old age, you have to take care of them in their old age. That is one of it. But sometimes many parents don't need money. They don't need money because many parents may be having a pension or they may be having their own house and they're okay. So one of the ways... You take care of your parents in your old age is by sending them money if they require money. But if they don't require money, there are other ways you take care of them. You take care of them. Okay? That's, that is, that is the law in the kingdom of God. Okay? Jesus is hanging on the cross and he knows all the disciples will die. He knows even his brothers will die. Yes. So he does his final duty as a son to his mother Mary and says, Mother, this is your son, and son, here is your mother. And the word of God says there very clearly from that day, John took her to his house as the elder son. He's honoring his mother, meaning, you will grow old. I know you'll grow old. Okay, it's not like what the Catholic Church myth that she went up to heaven alive and all. He knows. He knows. And he's doing that. What is he doing? He's handing her over. So that's the way you honor. So some cases parents need money. And uh, even if they don't need money, once in a while if you give them some money, they feel very happy. Mm. Just that feeling, okay, my child gave this. It's this honor. honor mm. no? I remember when I was in studying in class 8, when I got my first that... Uh, yeah, MBPI scholarship, uh, NTSC. Ah, NTSC scholarship. I got my first scholarship, you know. I gave it to my grandmother. 
she was so happy because she's the one who used to wake up early in the morning and make my breakfast and lunch for me, you know. So I gave it to her and she was so very, very happy, you know. And they feel so good, no? So they feel so. And does she need the money? She had pension even in those days. <laughs> like, because she was a government teacher, no? Retired. So, so what I'm saying is, it gives you. So they may not need the money, but you give the money. But you don't, something. No, something. That's how you do it. He said to behold your mother and from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. That's how you honor. So going back to the questions, there are different, different, different parts of it over there. We have to see that you have to be led, led by God. You have to be led by Next God. Mm. Okay. Basically, we want to know, uh, should we cut off most of the giving and spending part till we clear our debts? Uh, hope, yeah. Um, you sh- see, one thing what I will tell you is that listen to God. Listen to God. Listen to God. Why is it important to listen to God? It's like if you had listened to this morning's part of the message too. Why is it important? Yeah? Elijah tells his widow, make some bread and bring for me. And she said, I got only one little mm. bit of flour left in the bin, little oil. We're going to make it. We're going to eat and die. He says, no, make it and give it to me. And then he says something. Sometimes you will hear in the spirit when you have very little and you're cutting your edges to take it and give it to somebody. And that's where your breakthrough is going to come from. That's how your breakthrough is going to come from. And if you, this is how people, how do you think all these people made their billions? Because they made strategic investments. In this kingdom of God too, you make investments. Strategic investments. Strategic mm. in, but you hear from, not some, some fake fellow who will put you Jeremiah 33.3 and says today the Lord is saying put $333. Not kind of that kind of junk. Okay, Not that one. I'm talking, you will hear from God himself. So you are no confusion. I'm not listening from man. It's not some fake fellow on TV trying to fleece me of my money and this group letter which everybody says today is January 22. So today is 22.122. You should sow $22. They will tell you all kind of crazy stuff. Okay? I'm telling you. Today is 21, 22. Somebody will send one group letter to 10,000 people. If five people respond, he still got his $220. Okay. He has got nothing. The law of averages. The law of averages. America is full of this. I think India, Nigeria, all will have this. Okay. Okay. But I'm telling you, just see, just because there is fake, I was telling Sammy, two days back, Sammy or Peter, I said, watch out for three nations. One is US, the other is South Korea, the other is Nigeria, these three nations. In Asia, Nigeria, South Korea, in Africa, Nigeria, in, in the Western North world, America. US. You have the most number of fake prophets and apostles in these three countries because the genuine ones are also, also there. there. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Mm. So don't write off Nigeria, don't write off South Korea, don't write off US. Mm. The reason there are so many fake over there, okay. Did you, if you read the Bible, do you hear of fake prophets being written in Babylon? No. Mm. They were all fake there. Mm. Fake prophets were always in Israel. <laughs> because there are genuine ones there. <laughs> no? Okay. In the book of <laughs> Nehemiah, it is written about the fake prophets. No, they were astrologers, magicians, nobody is this thing, okay. So it's a, the fake false prophets are all in Israel because the genuine ones are also there. So please understand, Nigeria has very 
powerful genuine ones america has genuine ones but you need to have discernment to find this needle in the haystack mm. and south korea has because these are three places from which literally missionaries are so going and still going yes, in now yes. and going and still going in so fake products will come out of over there okay so but because of that these fake ones don't ever forget the ways of god you will look into this into the ways of god there was a little boy in the crowd his mother had packed him his little dabba five small little loaves of bread and two fish okay and gave it to him that day whatever happened we do not know mm-hmm. this little boy gave it to philip or andrew one of the one which one he gave it to philip i think no andrew he gave it to he gave it we don't realize that was a breakthrough that day Because Jesus was not going to create bread. Mm. That's what the devil told him to do. He was going to multiply bread. Mm. But to multiply bread, somebody had to put that bread into his hands. The provision was with the small boy. It was with the boy. He put it into Jesus' hands. And I'm sure if he was hungry, he ate more than five loaves and two fish. Because they were all satisfied. That was the breakthrough that would happen that day. That would happen that day. And please understand another part of the miracle that happened over there. Jesus said, give it to me. He took it. We know it. He blessed it. We know that. He broke it and he gave it to it. Please understand that. The bread bread did not multiply in his hands. The bread multiplied in the disciples' hands. It is in their hands it multiplied. Because God does not want bread. (coughs) God does not want money. It multiplies in our hands. Okay, it multiplies in our hands. So sometimes people miss out their breakthroughs. Miss out their breakthroughs. Okay, now uh, go to Second Kings. Second Kings. We talked about this long time ago, chapter four, and verse one and two. One, one onward. Second Kings, chapter four. Verse 1, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. This is the key. This is the key. Okay. The thing is that in every case in Elisha's story, somebody, a man loses his accent. He cries out to Elisha. A woman's husband is bad, (coughs) good in prophecy, bad in finances. He should have handled her to, should have let her handle the finances. Okay. Yeah. Please keep verse 1. Let me read it. Okay. A certain woman, as wives of the sons of the prophets, cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So what does it mean? He's a good servant of God, and many servants of God are terrible in finances. Tons and tons, and every second Saturday they come. They're terrible in finances. Terrible. Just because you're good in the word and you're prophetic, that doesn't mean you got, you know how to handle finances. You know? So sometimes they need to just, whatever money you get, just hand it over to the wife. You would run the house like a dream. But they don't do that. They handle that too. And finally what happens? Fellow dies preaching. And the creditor comes to take the children. Okay. What happens? So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, your murdered servant has nothing in the Look at what she says first. The first thing she says is, we have nothing but a jar of oil. And this is the key. 
Sometimes you don't go to the right person and ask. You don't go to God with your situation. And you will say, Lord, look at me. I have nothing. But what you have to get you out of debt is right there in your house. He doesn't ask her to go anywhere outside. It's right there with you. It is right there with you. If you hear the voice of God and you do what he has to tell you, within a short time you will be out of debt and you will have surplus. Why? Because it's God's desire and it's the will that all his children should be givers and not takers. Because our father is a giver. Mm. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's what he says. Your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. You know what's doing that? Basically talking about, it's a business principle. <laughs> okay, but the idea comes from God. Okay, so you will receive an idea from God in your prayer closet. You don't have to do an MBA. You will receive better ideas from God. You look at any of the top billionaires in the world. Who has got an MBA? Yeah, they were all dropouts. Hmm. They employ MBAs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And PhDs. <laughs> they employ MBAs, MBAs, MSCs, MCOMs, PhDs. None of them have what? Bill Gates, all this. Okay, I'm not talking about how they got their money. Okay, how got their money? Okay. So please, <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying. Yeah. You see, for everything you, let me ask again, we looked at it, uh, I don't know when we, we were looking at it. Please understand this thing. God's entire kingdom is built on laws. Right? Right? Is there anything that we are doing here, anything that we are doing over here in this room behind which there isn't a set of laws? You have a camera. Can the camera work unless there are certain laws? Internet. Can internet work unless there are certain laws? Everything is based on laws because that's how God created. Yes. Everything that is created functions on certain laws. Understood? If you read the book of Isaiah and the book of Ezekiel, you will realize how Satan was created. And he had much riches. And Satan has observed all the laws of God's creation. So that means he knows the laws of financial prosperity. Also, yes. Also. So if you go to the lodge, if you go into these wicked places, he will tell you how you can make your money. But basically he will tell you how to steal money. Because he's a thief. He doesn't work. He has never worked one day and made good money, the devil. So what he teaches his people is how to steal without being caught. Okay, how to steal. That is why the circle is so huge and so powerful. Why? Because there they have been taught how to steal. How to steal. Or they will be given innovative ideas. Ideas should have come from the prayer closet, from our God's people. Instead, because people stopped, because we put everything into context, nobody started going to God and receiving insights about how to do and bring innovative things. They went to the devil. People went to the devil. People went to the devil and received it. Let me ask you this question. Who discovered gunpowder? Chinese? China. So there was a law of gunpowder, right? The Chinese discovered it, not the Jews. Okay? So please understand, there are laws over there. And you can discover things if you tap into the spiritual. And there is this entire occult. If you go to the book of Daniel, 
I'm just taking a digression so that we will go into the real and real. Okay, uh, Daniel chapter one. Okay, verse eighteen. And 19 to 20, okay. End of days when the king had said they should be brought in, in the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them among them all. None was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Do you think the king personally questioned all of them? He had an entourage of interviewers. Yes. Who do you think were interviewing them? Mm -hmm. The astrologers, the sorcerers, the magicians, the top guns of Babylon. And they were stunned that, because the questions are all on Babylonian stuff, Mm. found them better than all the Magicians. magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Are you getting the picture? He's asking them mysteries and secrets of the Babylonian Chaldean Empire, which they have been taught for three years, because that is how you control. And he found these four were better than the others. You know why? Because they received it in their prayer closet. Mm-hmm. Prayer closet. So we need to realize, behind everything there is loss, and there are loss of financial prosperity. There are loss. But you discover it in the word of God and you discover it in your prayer closet. You discover it in the prayer closet and in this thing. On the other side, the enemy also gives it to people. Gives it to people. He also gives it to the people. But if it is rightful, it is rightfully God's people. God's people. Therefore, the only reason we should not have is because we refuse to compromise on righteousness. Otherwise, God is a God who prospers. I believe in prosperity. I do not believe in poverty. I do not believe in poverty because I believe in prosperity. The Bible is absolutely 100% clear. God is a God of prosperity who prospers his children and who rejoices in the prosperity of his servants. But when you come to the new covenant, there is a question. The question is, your prosperity should come through righteousness. And when the entire system becomes Wicked, like while I was thinking, Benny Prasad, uh, no, Benny sent his video, which would be today's one. No? I was just looking at which countries has he uploaded today. World record travel stories, 30, this is to Guinea. And I looked at his title of his test, is this, character tested by a one dollar bribe. Okay, I didn't, I didn't see the video, but the question is, you know what? You have to prosper in a wicked system. You have to pay your way through. And then what do you do? What do you do? That is the issue. When the system is righteous, if the system is righteous, the righteous will prosper. But when the system becomes wicked, system becomes... Bible does not say Daniel was a businessman. Daniel was a businessman. How would he have become a prosperous businessman in Babylon? It would have been very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. So we are talking about that. So when we are talking about finances, it's not enough 
to find the causes of your finances, to have physical discipline of your finances. You need to look beyond and say, Lord, you know what? This is the blessing. Chapter 12 12, of Genesis. That's where it becomes. Verse chapter, verse 2, 12, 2. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Yeah. Okay, you shall be a blessing. And that's the key, you know? Okay? And but and in you. So this is an Abrahamic blessing. And the Bible says in the book of Galatians that if any man is in Christ Jesus, then he's a seed of Abraham and an heir according to the promise. But what I'm 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 not saying everybody is blessed in the way of to bless with money. But everybody has to be a blessing. It's a source of blessing, yes. Everybody has to be a blessing in the kingdom of God because you are a seed of Abraham. Amen. Okay? And resources because we need to realize one of the fundamental. Why did, why does, in spite of everything, why does everybody want to go to US? What is, what is, what was the reason? The American dream. We have more prosperous nations in other Europe and all. But nobody, nobody wants to go there. Yeah. Nobody is talking about Everybody wants to go to America. Why? Because of the picture of prosperity and liberty. Mm. Okay, now both is going. Prosperity is going, liberty is also going. But that was the thing. The simple question is, why did America become so prosperous? No nation in ever in human history has become so prosperous in terms of wealth. Why? Because God blessed that nation. Yes. God blessed that nation and their forefathers. And if you look at it, it's because they had a covenant with God and they had fiscal discipline. If you look at the Republicans, they are always fighting for fiscal discipline. Yes. The Democrats are just like, no. Spending, 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 spending. spending. This side is discipline, 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 discipline. Okay? Because if you don't have physical discipline, it doesn't matter how much you have, it will all leak away. It's like a bucket of, with a, with holes in it. You can keep on filling it will all. So we need physical discipline because God is a good steward of His resources. But you cannot just think, Lord, I want to get out of debt. No. That's a wrong prayer. Lord, I want to give. Lord, I want to be a blessing. blessing. You know what? That's a smart prayer. Because if you want to be a giver, you have to get out of debt first. Mm-hmm. Okay? So God will get you out of debt. And you will be a giver. Okay? You will be a giver. So there are all kinds of debt. All kinds of debt. But look at your debt is a good debt or a bad debt. A good debt is we are absolutely sure. I can pay it off without having to scrunch. I don't have to change my entire lifestyle completely, eat one meal a day and wear Hawaii chapels and walk around. I don't have to do any of those mm. things. You know? I don't have to do any of those things. I know it can be paid off. It can be paid off because, so that's a good debt. So it's a financial prudent decision you made. Okay? Either to expand your business or to help somebody, whatever it is, that's a prudent. Otherwise, you need to look at the cost. Why am I in debt? Where do? And it's, it's a very good thing to keep a diary of your spending. These days it's very easy because most of you do it online. Yes. Very people, people, old fashioned people like me, 
uh, who still use cash. I don't buy anything, so I have no record of what I spend. So I only give. I don't spend. <laughs> and this week was a crazy week, <laughs> absolutely crazy week. Okay, but I'm, I'm not afraid about giving. I I only borrow to give. I have never in my life borrowed to spend on myself. Never, ever in all these years, not a pie have I borrowed to spend on myself. Oh, I borrowed to give. And, uh, you know, but uh, what I'm saying is God will get you out of debt. But this should be your prayer. Lord, teach me. And uh, husbands, and uh, because we're talking about families, the church is full of families. And... Uh, um, Sit down and talk, because by now, the Bible talks about, Peter talks about living with understanding. Mm-hmm. By this time, you need to know your wife, and the wife need to know the husband. And there are two important things in the home, very important things in the home. One is finances, which is a daily matter. Two, second is your children. children. I'm not putting in that order, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, let's put it the right way. Children sure. and finances. You need both. Okay, you can live without children, but you cannot live without money. <laughs> but if you have children, you need money. Okay, more money. But I'm telling you, you need to know who is, when it comes to finances, you need to know who is prudent, who is good. Let him or her handle it. When it comes to children, you need to know who is spiritual and who is patient. I'm talking to patient. Children, you need patience. You need patience. Otherwise, you will break the spirit of a child and you will make them very, very rigid when they grow up. Because they will become like you when they grow up. And they will have no patience with anybody else. So these two things, two things, sit down and talk before the month is over. Because it's a year of restoration. Sit down and talk. If you believe your wife is good in finances, let the wife handle the finances. If you believe my husband is good in dealing with the children, which very rarely husbands are. I'm talking about small children. Men are not. Very few exceptions. I'm one of the exceptions. Very few exceptions are there with little children. I don't have patience with teenagers. That's why Mark keeps on telling talk to the GSS kids. and You talk to them. With children, I have no issues. I have no issues with the little ones. I can have tons of patience with them. Because you look at one thing, you look at them, you know that they are ignorant. And they are innocent. So there is no point in getting mad with them or angry with them and all that. But the older you go, you know they are not ignorant. You know they are very conniving. They are very conniving. They know what is right, what is wrong. And they are trying to beat the bush around you, playing the fool with you. So you handle that. I will handle the small ones. So in the home also you need to understand. Okay? And you have to make those decisions. Because what happens is, if both father and mother start disciplining the children, disciplining the children, and uh, both are not on the same page, the children will literally fall through the cracks. Mm. Through the cracks. And you have to make that decision. We'll say scriptures, but it's talking about instruction instruction that the biblical scriptural instruction part of it should come from the father that's where every home again i'm telling you to gdc hyderabad all the gtc's families that are listening by now you should do not have an altar in your home especially all your families with have small children you need to have i'm not telling if your children are small it is one hour no 15 minutes 
you sing a few songs, you read a scripture, you pray, it becomes your family altar. And that should never be broken. That should never be broken. Even on a Sunday, it should not be mm. broken. That is part of your life. That's the altar. The children should grow up knowing that. And as they grow older and older, they also participate. You bring in, um, at their level, you start increasing like our Sunday school classes. But that is absolutely, again I'm telling you, because I don't want to embarrass you in church asking, do you have a family altar? Show up your hands. I don't want you to lie before God and people when you put up your hand, when you don't have an altar. These are things that will destroy your home in the long run. You need to have, in that, I will tell you, the father takes the leadership. In that, the father leads the, takes the leadership. But in the other thing, I would always say, if your wife is spiritual, again, I have to tell you, that's why the, see, until the children come, you will not understand why God says, uh, do not be unequally yoked. Children, finances. Finances, people can be totally unequally yoked. When one spouse likes spending on unnecessary things, the other one is physically very prudent. There's always conflict in the house and you realize, oh, we loved each other too much. No, you were not equally yoked. Of course, now you are married. You can work all these things out in the basis of scripture. Because money matters. Money matters. And you need to put away. You need to save. The Bible talks about all that. It talks about saving. Even Jesus asked that man who hid the talent, why didn't he put in the bank right. and give me the interest? He didn't interest. No. But Jesus is not into Sharia banking. He wants an interest. Okay. Because you have Muslim banking where there is no interest. But Jesus asked for an interest. He doesn't like usury. But he has no issue with interest. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are two different things. So get all these things with finances really, really matter in a house. In a matter in a house. And finances does not mean my house will be happy we have, if we have lots of money. No, lots, lots of homes which have lots of money have terrible, miserable homes. It's basically not having lots of money. It's basically know how to handle money. Mm-hmm. Handle money. If you know how to handle money the scriptural way, your home will be a happy place. And that's where. And with those of you who are in debt, go to your prayer closet and keep asking God, Lord, make me a blessing. Give me a breakthrough. Show me. Show me where to invest. Show me. And God will show you. That's what happened to that lady. She went to Elisha. Imagine if she had gone to somewhere else, her children would have been slaves. She went to the right man. He said, here is what you need for your breakthrough is in your house. It will come. Man lost his axe. And he said, it is borrowed. Debt. He has to come. It's borrowed. We don't understand times. Iron and all is not cheap those Mm. days. We don't have today's mining today. When we read this, we don't understand how expensive stuff is. Those days, it's not easy. He said, alas, master, it was borrowed. Elisha says, where was it lost? Where was it lost? And he brings it back and returns it. Okay, Why did he lose it? Because he was careless. Because most of you sitting here uh, haven't probably used an axe. You realize you never, you never go to go to cut wood unless you're first absolutely sure the axe is firm in the handle. Mm-hmm. The first thing that you do is you every day when you take your axe or your spade or whatever, the first thing you do is see the axe is firm. So he wasn't careful. 
axe that wasn't careful. Second, you need to sharpen. You never leave an axe out in the open because it will rust. That's why if you see, it's always hit into the wood and kept so that the axe doesn't rust. It is kept. So what does it have? Why did you lose? Why did you run into debt? Because you were careless. The principle is there. The principle is there. You were careless. That's why you lost. You lost. Okay. Now God is a God of restoration. He is willing to restore your finances too. But you have to learn the <laughs> lessons. Otherwise, you'll go back to debt. You'll mm. go back to debt. Okay, you will go back to debt. So understand these principles. Go to God. The God of it is not Elisha who is giving her the answer. It's the Spirit of God, God in Elisha who is giving her the answer. So it is the same God. The widow, the poor prophet who borrowed an accent. He's the same God. He hasn't changed. And he says, I will show you a way. And you trust me, get out of debt and be a giver. Mm. Give and have fiscal discipline. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Uh, it's interesting that Elisha always has a solution to the problem. He never is in any situation with where he's got a problem. He's always in a point. But that, that is, remarkable. That is what he had, uh, what even Elijah had. Elijah, the only mistake you had with Elijah was he ran from, uh, Jezebel. But you need to ask these questions. And I mean, people will always compare Elijah and Elisha. My question to you is that we always say, wow, wow, Elisha. My question to you is that who mentored Elisha? Elijah. And who was there to mentor Elijah? Nobody. No. Nobody. Can you walk alone like Elijah? Stand alone like Elijah? No. Another man has the advantage of years of mentorship under a greatly anointed prophet. He doesn't have to make the mistakes. He doesn't have to make the mistakes. He made only one mistake. Elijah made only one mistake. Okay, don't take that mistake and run with it. He only made one mistake. And he's coming back to clear that mistake. Okay, it's that mistake. So that's the thing. Elisha had a fantastic mentor. A fantastic mentor. So he starts off well and through it all. And he, you know, this thing. And Elijah also, and there was no situation except he ran from Jezebel. And I think it was, the pressure became too much for him. You know, because he was, and God gives him the solution. The solution is, I have found a right servant for him. He had servants, but they were not non-spiritual servants. You see, you, you, you have, you have, this is why God, this is a principle basically. We use it in marriage primarily. But it's a principle basically. Do not be unequally yoked. Mm. Because if you are unequally yoked, you have a partner who is not equal to you. You will only be carrying his load also. Mm. The person is not helping you in any way. Okay. So when that servant goes, what do you see? Nothing. Go back, what do you see? Nothing. Go back, what do you see? Nothing. He just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So what do you have to do? Leave him behind. Leave him behind. Okay? But you see Elisha in chapter 2. I'm going. I know, I'm not. The sons of prophet says, we know. He says, I also know. He's leaving today. I've already seen it. I've already seen his going. All the sons of prophets have seen it. Elisha has also seen it. But he won't quit. I will follow you. All the way. I will follow you all the way, you know. So that's what God is talking about. You know, you you need some, let us say, now you have Sammy sitting over there and you have John Manohar sitting over there. And John Manohar's volunteer says, Sammy and I am coming to help you. And he doesn't know computers at all. 
and he says okay i said fine on that condition because sometimes people don't realize the other fellow gets in the other fellow does not know my business but he will want his say in everything yeah. and then he will mess it up he will mess it up so you have to hear from god and that's what god says anoint hmm. elisha son of shaphat and you will know he's out of depression sort of depression and he finishes well you know so all this you look through the word of god you will see principles how to run your business how to run your institution how to run your church how to run your home how to run your life all is there and then you also have we have unlike the world the advantage of a personal guide he shall lead you unto all truth and god can give you amazing breakthroughs mm-hmm. amazing breakthroughs when jesus said and said feed them and they said this many loaves of bread will six months wages is their wages won't be enough to give them a mouthful five loaves and jesus said give it to my hands why did he say give it to my hands because he already knew what he was going to do mm. does your master pay taxes he said peter go what is god is saying god can give you supernatural breakthroughs also if you listen to him because he he knows your heart is established so he can give you those breakthroughs and that's what's happening with elisha breakthrough 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 but elisha is not untouched by any of those things oh famine says tomorrow it will be over exactly that's what i'm saying every situation he has a solution tomorrow it is over so he's able to give a solution. a solution you know why his god is able to give him a solution in that situation because he knows this man is heart is so completely it's circumcised to god this blessing is not going to touch him yeah. at all he can walk through it live in it it's not going to touch him that is jesus that is jesus and you have to come to god and see and god says you know what the question is not whether god can give you money the question is god can god you trust you trust with money, you with money yes. without it destroying you mm. trusting him because you are a child and he loves you and he doesn't want to destroy you and that's the question the enemy will give you money if he knows money can destroy you he will give you any amount mm-hmm. if he can destroy you with that yes pastor vijay uh pastor i think it's 8:15 we want to take one more question uh, is a very important question i think yes if you can take it in some time uh, this is question number it's talk again uh, talking about uh, uh, a prayer aspect this is question number 20 20 okay what is a toxic relationship how do you identify it apart from taking it to the lord in prayer how else do we handle it biblically okay <coughs> first what is a toxin a toxin is something that is poisonous okay well, let's look at the these are all modern terms terminology so we need to explain what it is what is a toxic relationship 
is a relationship that is poisonous, that kills. Okay. Now, what does that relationship kill? What does that relationship? It can be a person or it can be anything else. It doesn't need to be a person alone. It can be anything else. So, um, these are all basically primarily family questions. So, when something is toxic, it is destroying the relationship with a man and a woman, the husband and wife. Or if something is toxic in my life, it is relationship my relationship with God. Or if it is toxic, it is relation, destroying my relationship with my children. Or if it is toxic, it is destroying my relationship with my church. Let's look at that mm. alone. Because office, we are going to work. Yes. We are kind to everybody. It's relationship. We should have good relationships over there, but that's not the primary which we are talking about. So we need to look at first with God. Is there anything that is toxic in my life that is affecting my relationship with God? <coughs> Second, is there anything that is toxic in my life which is affecting my relationship with my wife? My wife. Like I said, it can be a person. It can be a thing. Mm. It can be a thing. It can be a thing. I'm, I'm not saying the things in per se are bad things. Good things can create more trouble. Because bad things we easily identify. The problem is you're willing to identify and get rid of bad things. But how do you get rid of good things? And the good thing has become toxic. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let me ask you this question. Take, uh, let us say, dinner is, uh, let us say, roti and chicken curry. And take one handful of salt and put it into the chicken curry. Now let me ask you, is salt good? Of course. Yes. That salt can you eat? No. no. But is one handful of it good? No. The salt is good. Mm-hmm. But now the salt has become toxic. <coughs> yes. It has become toxic. So you have to identify, identify whether what is toxic, how is it affecting your... Priorities have to be there. Mm. Priorities have to be there. Then... One of the first things which you need to understand about relationships, basically it's talking about relationships, is go to Genesis. I, I think I talked to Sammy, right Sammy? Mm-hmm. Genesis chapter one, 1 verse and verse 26 mm-hmm. and 28. Now 26. Let us make man in our image According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Read verse 26 again. Now that's enough. Verse 26 again. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have Dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What is missing? Man. God never intended, still never intends man to dominate man. And when a relationship domination comes in, it becomes toxic and it is witchcraft. Mm -hmm. It is sorcery. Mm. God still does not dominate. That's why Paul says, in light of all these mercies of God, surrender. Mm. He will not, demons dominate if they can get you. In any relationship, husband, wife, wife, husband, parent, children, 
if domination comes in, please remember the power there is sorcery. The relationship has become toxic. God said it shall dominate other things because we have been made in the, in the fall of man comes. What happens is dominates, man starts dominating. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. And then verse 8. Now Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Domination has already begun. She's out of headship. She's named. I named. I will control. Look at verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother and when it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Domination. Domination has begun. That is the effect. Because the enemy... Wants to dominate. God does not dominate. He gives the freedom to choose. I set before you life and death. You choose. Even when, even when Peter is released from the prison and the iron gate mm. is open, he kept on the street and the angel disappears. Now you have a liberty to choose where you want to go. You want to go. So whenever domination takes place, Okay, please understand there are rules and we have to, and when you break the rule, the consequences comes. Every home, every institution. We are not talking about that. You have to stick to those rules. I'm talking about any relationship where domination takes place and men do it with anger, with violence, and women can do it through very subtle, subtlety and um, manipulation and all kind of stuff over that. What has happened is that the Spirit of God stays out. He will not operate over there. He will not operate over there. And the problem is that, you know what, after some time people get used to it and they like it. And they don't want change. They don't want change. Because domination gives you a thrill. Mm, exactly. It's it's in the it's flesh. It's, it's an addiction. Right, no, yes. And they like it. They say, that's fine. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, pastor can say whatever he wants about relationship, but I'm happy with what I have. I have I'm in control. Because it's all about control. Mm-hmm. You need to understand, domination is about control. It's about about control. So sometimes you need to realize when you are looking at toxic, even in toxic relationship, you need to understand. Sometimes what you say, say or feel has toxic, may not be toxic at all. But because you cannot control it, you feel it is toxic for you. So you have to look at everything. Because there is one area. I am not able to control my husband or I am not able to control my wife. And you say, you know what, it's very toxic. For who? Toxic for who? For you. Well, the other person may not be bound by it at all. It's just a normal thing at all. But for you, it is toxic because you are not able to control that one feature at all. So we need to be very, very clear and be honest and we go before God and say, Lord, what is the intention? Liberty or domination? Hmm. Liberty or domination? What is that you want? Liberty or domination? And the reason, that's why God, there are two things about God. One is that He gives us the freedom to choose. And second, God says, God is love. And love will always thrive only in an atmosphere of freedom. Freedom. Yes. Freedom. And freedom. Absolutely. But the problem is, Love is always a risk. Mm, God was risking by sending his son to die for us. Love is always a risk. And the same thing is in your marriage. It's a risk. Mm. You may love, you may not dominate, and you may get nothing in back. Mm. But you're still right. 
Because you may say that no, what, uh, some lady who's listening, sister who's listening and says, okay, pastor, I'm going to do that. I'm going to set my husband completely free. And that man cares two hoots and he remains free that way all his life and give, doesn't give anything back. I know marriages like that. Both men and women. They don't care two hoots. But that is what I'm talking about. Paul is talking about the peace of God will guard your heart. Mm. Your mind in Christ Jesus and take your prayers, your supplications to God. Because mm. yes, until to death part you. But there is only one who, who has said, I'll be with you forever. Even a man cannot do that or the woman cannot do that. Mm. Cannot be with you forever. So that's why I keep telling you, do not make your marriage into an idol. idol. It's an ideal. Mm. Your idol is a relationship with God. Mm. He will never break your heart. Mm. He will never let you down. He will not let you down. He will not do that. He will discipline you. He will chasten you. But he will love you through it all. He will love you through it all. So, see that first. Your relationship with God is not toxic. Relationship with God is not toxic. And then, look back. And especially men. It has the honest is always on the men. It's not on the women. Though we, God tells the man, Asks the first man, where is, where are you? Okay. And, uh, but this is a different age. These things were written, though it is eternal, yet we are living in an age, it is very, very dangerous. We are living in a dangerous age where the Jezebel spirit is the ruling spirit now. And people do not realize it has infiltrated into the Christian homes. Just can, the atmosphere has infiltrated into the Christian homes. And women knowingly and willingly have to surrender to the Spirit of God and says, I will not come under that Spirit. Because that Spirit is a very manipulating Spirit, which always wants control. The Jezebel Spirit always wants control. And it's be, before that Spirit, uh, Elijah runs. Not only that, the nature of that spirit is that it emasculates the man. Mm. Emasculates the man. That Ahab is a weak man. Okay, and that's what the, that's what the entire movement that you're going on with, with began with the you know, homosexuality to bisexuality to transgender to binary. The whole movement is basically aimed at destroying the male and the female as categories as God made it. Mm -hmm. Then only that spirit can rule. It destroys it. And we have to guard our minds and our hearts and look into the light. I was telling little Abigail. Hmm? Hmm. Abigail, I said, no. All are men, but all are not gentlemen. Hmm. Yes. All are are women, but all are not ladies. So I said, you are tall, you are ten years old. And pray, ask God, I want to grow up to be a lady, not just a woman. All are women, but all are not ladies. And all are men, and all are not gentlemen. gentlemen. And Paul writes into the Philippian church, be gentlemen. The Lord is near, be gentlemen. So we have to go through this entire relationship, this thing, and relationship with people, and relationship with things can become very, very toxic because, one, it eats up your time, which should be spent in relationship. It eats up your time. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes it's just sheer ignorance. Mm -hmm. Okay, sheer ignorance. Because we are all in so many ways 
if we are not taught by the Spirit of God and through the Word of God, we are the sum total of our experiences. Let us say, if you come from an unhappy home, where there wasn't much parental relationships and family, not very happy kind of a home, that's your norm. So when you get married, you don't look for you don't look for what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like what you say, what you don't know doesn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. But a woman or the man could have come from a very happy home. Her expectations are different, or his expectations are different. So when you you are happy with your experience, and she's unhappy with your ex- experience because she comes from a different background at all. So where do two people meet? This is where you That's meet. Yeah. Neither your experience mm. or my experience is the carrying mm. The truth is, what is a home? Absolutely. Mm. God is a homemaker. God is a family man. God adores his children. God says the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. Your names are engraved. And I mean, even that is, I, when I first time I read it and said, why did he say engraved in the palms of my hand? Then he said, he look at your hand and look at the back of your hand. And I looked at it and said, okay. And he said, which do you know better? I said, of course, my palms. He said, precisely. You know your palms better than the back of your hand. Right? He said, that's what I'm saying. I did not write it on the back of my hand. Mm. I wrote you on the palm of my hand because you are always before me. If that is what Mm. God tells about his children, then I have to get my picture of fatherhood or my husband and wife, parenthood from God. Mm. From God. We cannot cannot get worldly pictures. We have to get our pictures from God. This is the picture God has. Or else, let me tell you this question. See, we are are going to pay for this. If you don't understand scripture and don't keep those ideals in our mind and pray and fight for those ideals all our life, do you know when we are going to pay? We'll say we'll pay it in this world. No, I won't pay in this world. My family is saved. God said, your family is saved, yes. But when you come to heaven, then you realize heaven is a home. Mm. And then you see others enjoying heaven. You will not be able to enjoy heaven because you never chose to enjoy home on earth. Mm. I'm telling you the real truth. Because you did not enjoy home on earth, you willingly ignored it. When you reach heaven, you are saved but you will not enjoy heaven like the others are enjoying heaven because they understood the ideal and fought for it and they reached there and said the ideal is here. Because that's what God is telling Moses. Moses saying, you will make a tabernacle but the pattern is there. So in the mountain he's receiving a pattern of what is there in heaven and you have to make it exactly according to that pattern. So everything there is a pattern. Now you and I cannot duplicate the home in heaven on earth but we can try our best. And if you try your best on earth God says you will enjoy your best in heaven you will enjoy your children in heaven they will be there saved they will enjoy them with no other hassle you will be able to enjoy your brethren in heaven you will be able to enjoy home in heaven because heaven is going to be a home but if you were watching movies when you should have been at home on earth suddenly in heaven you will see there are no theaters and you would know what to do 
you know what to do. Are you saved? Yes, you are saved. Are all the saved people go off going to be the same category no. in heaven? No. No. So that is why it is so important to look into the word of God and understand. And the lawyer, I still would like to meet the lawyer if he's in heaven. Jesus said, how do you read the law and the prophets? He said, this is the two. Love God with all your heart, all your and love your name. He said, you got it right. You're very close to the You're kingdom. You're very close, close to, the to the kingdom. You got it right. The entire life is about relationships. Relationships. Mm-hmm. So that's how it is. So you have to see, why is my relationship toxic? Why Why do I feel it is toxic? Mm-hmm. Okay? Because sometimes it can be a, because, uh, because of uh, insecurity. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, you have an only child. Let us say Abigail, the only child. And born, um, then after seven years, eight years, you have a second child. Then the second child comes, the first one is very <laughs> insecure. And if that's one, like if <laughs> the older one can actually use all these words and you will say, Mama, your relationship with that small it one is toxic. very toxic. <laughs> <laughs> now he's not saying that words, but he's feeling those feelings. So sometimes the issue is not, uh, with so you have to learn to how to handle it, which is something which I always take when I counsel. I always tell them, no. When the second child comes, be very very careful how you deal with the older one. You have to hold the older one, spend time with them, and explain to them. It's not that you are secondary; you both are primary. And then I have counselled women by saying that when you have your child, your husband still comes first. Otherwise, he'll be the lost child wandering in the house. What happened? <laughs> the mothers are all over their child. They forget the husband, and the man doesn't know what to do. He can't complain because the child is there. I tell them these are all fundamentals of this thing. Where you have to factor a woman has to factor a husband in. I have a child. I have to take care of the child. The child needs my attention. So does that man. He needs my attention. He came first. He came first. Okay. These things all are part of relationships. All. And the man also has to think that way. Okay. Child has come. Okay. So mama has to be forgotten. No. Before the child came, there was you. There was you. So all this has to be factored in. And then you will be able to truly, truly enjoy your children. Because you know what? There is nothing toxic. Mm. Otherwise, the mother's relationship with the child has become toxic. It is affecting the relationship between the husband and the wife. It becomes toxic. Okay, it becomes toxic. That's why you have to balance it and God is, God will sh- show you and teach you how to handle it. And you know what? House can be a very, very happy place. Happy place. That's there, Pastor Vijay. We I will think stop. that's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The only comparison of uh, house, heaven, heaven on earth. Is that's only in KJV. Okay. Yes. Somebody asked me and I said, look it in KJV. You will find it in, on heaven on earth. Six. Heaven is in Okay, behold, I have graven thee. I'll put that up again. There will be some child, somewhere broken child who is watching. This is what I want to tell you, child. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand. Thy walls continually before me. Man. Meaning he's building the walls, protecting the person. I want to protect you. No harm should come near you. Okay, that's what God, that's what we do. We are always watching our children when they are small. No harm, no harm. Don't slip, don't fall, don't do this thing. And that's, God is a very, very active parent. He's actively involved in the lives of his, this is from where we learn parenthood. Actively involved in the lives of our children. No? Yes, Pastor, is it? Yes, Pastor. Yes. Awesome. 
we'll call it a day pastor yes we shall call it a night a night rather <laughs> day and a night yes we'll pray we'll pray pastor we'll okay. 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 father we just thank you lord we just thank you thank you thank you for today lord thank you for this whole day we just thank you we come at this time into thy hands lord as we all go back home others part of the globe days beginning others it's late night but everywhere where your people are i speak your peace and i pray lord whatever we may go through now in this life we know one day we'll be home you said in my father's house in my father's house you didn't say in your master's house you didn't say in your creator's house you said in my father's house there are many mansions and i go to prepare a place for you you are preparing a place for all of us lord and one day we'll be home with you and as written in revelation 21 the father himself will wipe away every tear every sorrow and he will dwell with us we with him and the dwelling of god will be with man forever lord thank you thank you father that all the struggles and trials and testings we go through at the end of it there is a place called home and we are all going home one day we just want to thank you father your thoughts your ways are far higher than ours lord help us to constantly seek your face and align our lives to yours lord thank you father thank you thank you thank you lord i speak peace and healing into every life and i pray tomorrow morning lord if you tarry to come tonight give us another day we all will be found in your house o oh lord thank you thank you father thank you lord in jesus name we pray amen amen amen, amen. god bless you see you tomorrow <laughs>